The peace of Christ be with you. Welcome to Westminster on this beginning of our stewardship season. As you get settled into your seat, let's take about three deep breaths to be settled into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sisters and brothers, let us worship the living God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Let us be present, O God, to the blessings of this moment. Let us be trusting, O Christ, in the bread for today and the promise of bread for tomorrow. Let us be generous, O Spirit, that we might partner with what God is trying to do in and through us here. Join us in hymn number 475. We do welcome you to Westminster this morning, however long or short a time you may have been coming. What we do here is we seek to know the living God in ourselves, among us, and in the creation which surrounds us. So welcome. 
Let us join together in our community prayer. Let us pray. God, sometimes we go along and in between sightings of you. While some of us have seen you up close, others have used in sightings. Bless this church that we might support one another in Christ like presence in the community. Give to us generous spirits that we might share what we have in the form and measure in which we have it, so that together we might do your good work. Amen. Friends, we know that as we turn to God, we discover that God has already turned to us and waits for us with love and compassion. Amen. I'd now like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Good morning. Hello, hello. I'm going to sit right here. Good to see you all this morning. So for the last couple weeks, we have been talking about the communion table up there, and more specifically about communion, when we share in what we call the Lord's Supper together. Because next week, next week is World Communion Sunday. Next week we'll remember when Christians all around the world will share this meal. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how when we share the Lord's Supper together, it's a meal of love. And we remember God's love for us and how we share God's love with one another. Then last week, we remembered that it is a meal of peace and that we come to the table in peace and we yearn for peace in the world and we help to work for peace in ourselves and in our families and in our communities. And so today, I want to think about coming to this table in joy, in celebration. You know, often we say that we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And sometimes I know that when we have communion in church, it, it doesn't seem like much of a celebration because sometimes it's kind of quiet and we kind of walk up the aisle kind of solemnly and seriously. But that doesn't mean that we can't have joy when we share this meal together because we celebrate. We celebrate God's love. We celebrate God's peace. We celebrate Jesus and his life and ministry and all that we have to learn from Jesus. So this is a table of joy. And I was wondering, how could we decorate this table to show joy? And I don't know of much other joyful times or much more joyful times than a birthday party right? Birthday parties are full of joy. So, yes, daddy has a birthday party. We all have birthday parties. I knew this would be a popular one with you. I did. All right. So here's what I got. I have some birthday hats and I have some birthday plates. And so I want you each to either take one hat or one plate. All right. And then we're going to go up and we're going to decorate the table with our birthday plates 
and our birthday hats. Let's make sure. Look, we got some extra hats here. Anyone not have something? Oh, but we're not going to wear the hat. We're going to decorate the table with the hat. Oh, and look, Rob has our special happy birthday placemat going on there. All right, so let's go decorate. Come to the table of joy. Come to the table of joy. This is God's table. It's not yours or mine. Come to the table of joy. All right, make sure it all gets up there. Come to the table of joy. That's looking good. Let's go sit back down. Come to the table of joy. This is God's table. It's not yours or mine. Come to the table of joy. So next week, when that table has juice and bread on it and we share in the meal together we're going to remember god's love and we're going to celebrate god's peace and we're going to do it in joy let us pray god we thank you for this opportunity to share your love and your peace together and especially god we celebrate your love and your peace brings us joy and for that we are so grateful amen all right you can head right out that way to sunday school Go now in peace, go now in peace, may the like to invite you now that we join together in a bidding prayer, which is one in which I'll name a couple of areas and people can simply call out names as they come to you without worrying whether we're coordinating, we're really speaking to God. We know that God can hear us however we speak. And after we do that, I'll add some further prayers and then we'll have the Lord's Prayer. So let us join together in prayer. Compassionate and loving God, we do gather with much in our hearts and minds. There's so much going on in our lives and in our world that we can celebrate. There's also much that arouses our care and concern. We offer our prayers to you, trusting in your great love. Lord, hear us now as we name family and friends who are carrying heavy burdens and who are much in need of your loving and healing presence. Hear us as we name them.
And hear us also as we name peoples or places in our world where we know there are trying conditions, whether coming from natural destruction or strife or violence or division. Hear us as we name these peoples or places. Lord, we do pray for these, our family and friends, for these peoples and places. We pray for your compassionate presence, for peace, for reconciliation and healing. We pray for constructive action and compassion so that your will may be made known. We thank you, too, for our many blessings, for the ways in which we do know well-being, and for those people and places in our lives that bring us joy and in whom your presence is made known. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people offered in the name of the one who teaches us to pray together, saying, Our Father, in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen.
Scripture reading today is from Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 15. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, 
and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Here ends the reading. A special welcome to you, not only in this Contemporary Music Sunday, but on this Stewardship Sunday, when we begin the season of talking about supporting the life of this church. I underestimated just how beautiful it was, and thus what I'd missed out on. You see, I'd seen partial eclipses before, but as one enthusiast said leading up to this year's eclipse, A total eclipse, experiencing totality when the sun is completely blocked, is like going to the greatest show you've ever seen. Whereas a partial eclipse is akin to buying a ticket for that show and staying at the window the whole time. We know a number of people who made the trip, endured the long hours in the car and all the traffic and the reservations in order to see two minutes of darkness. And all of them said it was worth it. And most of them spoke about it in spiritual terms. And these are non-religious folks, by and large, spiritual terms. And, and most of the stories had one thing in common as well, the mention of tears. Tears. Two minutes of darkness in the middle of the day and we're reduced to tears. What is that about? Seeing is believing, as they say. Well, for some, that phrase is a literal truth. Uh, Sherry told me about hearing an interview on NPR leading up to the eclipse about a scientist who'd been studying this for his career, but upon experiencing totality for the first time, instantly said, I believe in God. Not sort of amorphously spiritual, but became an avowed Christian on the spot. What is going on? This is not evidence of of God. This is just awe and wonder and, and indescribable beauty, which, of course, is evidence of a different sort, perhaps the kind of evidence we should pay attention to more often. I love the eclipse as an image for experiencing God. Unfortunately, the next one is not until 2024. And isn't that how it so often is? So often these experiences of the divine are are fleeting. Oh, I know, and here we talk about Matthew Fox and others who remind us that all things are teeming with the sacred presence of the divine, all things, all the time. 
And yet for many of us, we don't have vivid experiences of God that regularly. Some do, but many do not. Now, maybe it's because we've been taught to dull those senses and to not consider those as legitimate in our culture. Or maybe it's just because we haven't been lucky. But for whatever reason, for many of us, we go a long while in between sightings of God. A long time. Now, if you're one of those people, don't feel guilty. This is not about your ability. Our tradition is very clear about that. Even your ability to have faith is a gift. You you don't do anything to have it. You might cultivate the kind of awareness, but you can't conjure up God at your every whim and experience God. Truth be told, I don't think that's the point of all this. The point of all this is to become more loving people more compassionate people, more joyful people, willing and happy to serve, especially those who are in most need. The point of all this is to become more like Jesus Christ. It just so happens, I'll tell you, that that's the most direct route I can find to have an experience of God. But it's going to be quite some time before we get to 2024 and experience that next total eclipse. And we need something to sustain us from now until then through our daily lives. And that's why I give to the church. And that's why I respectfully but unapologetically ask you to give to the church. Because most of life is navigating your way through the fog, especially where you all live. (laughs) Or the blazing sun. And wouldn't you know, both of them are difficult to see clearly in. That's most of life. We spend our days and, and our hours most of the time in between. In between the moments of great accomplishment, in between promotions at work or work at all, in between moments of of peace at home, in between moments of peace abroad, in between moments where our relationships seem perfectly in sync and in harmony, in between moments where everything is all right with ourselves, in between moments where everything is all right in the world. No, the church is not a temple to the sun. I never liked, actually, I've come to realize, the notion of the sun as an image for God. It's just too darn regular and too darn present in a place like California. It's there all the time. We don't need a temple to point to that. It points to itself. The church is instead a waypoint where we can come and get a little bit of nourishment where we can come and find some rest and some comfort, where we can come and find some direction and wisdom, some of which is very comforting to hear, some of which is quite challenging to hear, but steers us on the right path nonetheless. The church is the waypoint where we might just meet a fellow traveler on the road in between eclipses, which are few and far between. The church at its best is the place where we go or the people with whom we gather 
to shake us from a reality that we're told is how it must be. A world governed by fear and anxiety where scarcity is traded on the open market, where intimidation is how things get done, where hopelessness reigns and futility sets in and nothingness seems to prevail. No, the church is this grand invitation into hope, into promise, in possibility, in different kinds of partnership and inspiration, into substance and depth and justice for all God's creation. In the midst of all the chaos and the conflicting messages, church is where we find meaning. In a world that tempts us, and oh, does it tempt us to curse our enemies, to curse our neighbors, the church calls us instead to offer blessing. Blessing which is always stronger than cursing. And we don't have a church. We do church. We do church together. And we do church together whenever we engage in an activity that reminds ourselves and one another of the beauty of it all, of the awe and the wonder. And whenever we dare to try to offer that to those beyond our boundaries, that's church. We do it together. As our stewardship team has grown fond of saying, and I've grown fond of hearing, at Westminster we sing together and we pray together. We baptize together, we break the bread, and we share the cup together. We mourn together. Yesterday in this very space, we mourned the murder of Jesus' brother, the second his brothers to be murdered. He couldn't go back to El Salvador to even see the body because it's not safe. Everybody deserves a place to mourn their fallen brother. And when we're done mourning, we laugh together and we celebrate together and therefore we give together. We pledge together because we've seen what beauty and awe and wonder looks like and we want to fight for it with everything we have. And would you want to go on that journey without this, to try to make that long trek between eclipses on your own? Would you want our communities to try to do it, left to their own devices and their own directions and their own sometimes disavowal of the sacred? Beyond ourselves, the church blesses those we may never know that well, those who come here and eat because they have nowhere to eat, those who come here to sleep because they have nowhere else to sleep, those who wander in on a Sunday and in two Sundays are gone again, but they came here stumbling because they were fighting addiction or they're fighting hopelessness or they're fighting any kind of demon that we may never know about. Beyond that, beyond that, we're part of a greater body of churches our denomination and others like it do God's work, do the work of Jesus Christ all over this world all the time. Building clean water systems for people who have no clean drinking water. 
helping build sustainable agriculture for people who are dependent on outside sources and have no way to feed themselves, building hospitals and building schools, doing all the things that Jesus literally commanded us to do in the gospel. We're not asking anyone to do what they cannot do, but we're asking everyone to do what they can, each in their own measure and in their own ability, but all, all, no matter how small, so that the church might have its daily needs met. We have other ways of funding for the future, our endowment, or for our building through capital campaign, but stewardship is how we meet the daily needs of the church. Today's story from Scripture that you heard earlier is about daily sustenance. The people of God are on a journey. They're on an exodus from from Egypt, which just means the narrow place. Think of that. They're caught in the narrow place. And God wants to lead them into a more expansive reality, a more expansive vision for life called the promised land. And not surprisingly, as the people leave the familiarity of their captivity and they head into freedom when they are partway there, when the old is no longer there but the new is yet to take shape, they get a little frightened. And if you've made that journey, you know what that fear is like. And so they start to yearn for slavery again because at least they understand it. You can die in the narrow place if you want, like they wanted or you can take that step out in faith and be led by God into a more expansive vision. The people cry out afraid of where they're going to get food because at least their masters gave them food. And God does not judge them as they turn on their leader, as they turn on God, God's self. God hears their cries and say, okay, you're worried about your food. I will rain down food for you. And every day you can go out and you will gather and there'll be enough. And so you take just what you need and let your neighbor take what they need. And every morning you'll find it laying there before you. And once a week I'll give you enough for two days so you get a day off because my people deserve rest when they're making this journey. We call it manna, bread from heaven. What if as we learn to recognize the manna that God has given us all in some measure, those things that help us get through the day, what if we, as we cultivated that recognition, we learned to give more freely manna for someone else? What if in the midst of that we learned to become that manna for someone else? That they too experience the awe and wonder and beauty of it all. And maybe in giving it away, you experience it for the first time. They had no idea how beautiful it was. Until they were given these glasses which allowed these men to see color for the first time in their life. And you can watch a video of it, one at a time, of putting on these glasses and seeing a world that they'd only heard other people talk about their whole lives. You can see a 66-year-old bodybuilder clapping like a child when he turns and sees a flower on his wall for the first time. 
you can see a young father get down and look at his little girls and see the color of the curls in their hair for the first time. And you can see this boy, maybe 10, 11, the last person who I would think would be reduced to tears, within five seconds of putting on the glasses, simply turn right to his dad and with the bobbing of his shoulders and the sobbing of his tears, lean in to the loving arms of his father. Because seeing is believing. In church is where we lay claim to seeing this world in full color and doing everything we can to allow everyone else to as well. And that's worth giving to. Because 2024 is a long way off. Amen. And now I invite the stewardship team forward to tell you a little more. I'd like to begin by thanking Martha and Jim and Carol and Trig Bill for joining me this morning. That'll be explained in a moment. Um, as members of the Communication and Stewardship Commission. We worked hard this year to, to get it right. As we approach the uh, annual season of giving, I'm reminded of the uh, 19th century schooner captain. He's out on the ocean in some very big seas. Wind started whipping the sails, even tearing the sails. Waves breaking over the bow. It was very dangerous. He called for all hands on deck. He said, we're in peril. Would someone offer a prayer? No prayer. <laughs> Will someone stand and sing a hymn? No hymn. Well, he said, we got to do something religious. Turned to the cook and said, pass the plate. (laughs) Now, on that very subject, (laughs) thank you all very much for your generosity and support at Westminster. Here's where we are today. The ruling elders voted as a group last Tuesday night 
to ask your commission, that's us, to ask of you for 2018, we seek to achieve a rounded 2% increase in pledge, pledge dollars over 2017. That's the ask. And technically, it's less than 2%. That's what we're asking. This year, our commission focused on two primary areas of giving, communicating the message of giving and developing a communal approach to giving. For example, Martha and her team rolled out our new website, pro providing us with an excellent new communicating tool, which we will build on, inclusive of an online giving link. We invited Steve Deeney, a member of uh, Westminster in church today with his family, uh, a professional fundraiser for nonprofit organizations, to lead us in a retreat, us being the deacons and, and uh, elders this summer on the subject of fundraising. Now, not only is Steve a good guy, but he provided us excellent insights to use this year, but to use in the future in all areas of giving, for which we give thanks. Next Sunday, we've reintroduced what had been a tradition here into the fall campaign. Uh, on those services next Sunday, the 1st of October, all of the deacons that are available and all of the elders will come forward and give their pledges collectively. We've added a new uh, step, a new uh, event this year. On Sunday, October 15th, Following the 10 o'clock service in this sanctuary, we are holding a town hall meeting for questions and answers that you may have about any part of the process of reaching the number we reached, how we go about getting it, and where we go from here. I'd add to that that during this fall campaign, and frankly, every day of the year, Rob's and Bethany's doors are open to you if you have frank discussions you want to have privately with them. And finally, of course, we will continue our tradition of congregational testimonials throughout the stewardship campaign. Uh, coming your way in October, Jim's lined up some good ones. Each of us would like to briefly express our thoughts to you as members of this commission what giving to Westminster means to us. Hi, I'm the communications uh, arm of the uh, commission, as Jonathan said, and we were able to produce a, a website that we hope is a useful tool for you to learn how vibrant this, the life of the congregation is, where you might plug into a small group or see the work of the outreach commission or or the different types of events that we have going on, like our eco-fair today, how, how you can participate more fully in the actual life here. Um, one of the things that we were really uh, interested in is producing um, ability for you to see how we're doing financially. So we have 
we have on the website our how we're doing on our pledge campaign from this year, um, how we're doing of, uh, with our monthly financial reports, of session minutes, the commission minutes. We have all this information now available to you to assist you in how you make your decision on your pledge. So in addition to the online giving that we have, uh, which is brand new this year, we ask you to you know, consider your pledge and fill out your form and try the online giving out. We really are excited about it. And, and thank you again for your support. It's a pleasure to follow Martha. I guess I didn't say that right. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, I mean, I follow her a lot, so uh, so here we are. Um, well, I, um, I've done, I've worked on a lot of stewardship campaigns in the past, um, and uh, you know, I, re I remember them as we cross these amazing thresholds, like telling you how much it actually costs to operate here and asking you to give a specific amount on average. And these, this was revolutionary at the time. And, uh, but all the focus was on just understanding uh, financially what we needed and communicating it and you know, trying to make ends meet. Uh, so now I'm participating in a, a campaign you know, after Rob has arrived, and and Bethany has stepped up into a broader role, uh, and now it's really exciting. I mean, we're in a we're in a new era here, and uh, the old era was terrific. This one is extraordinary, and you know, pledge time is a time when you can really take a look, recognize appreciate what you're a part of uh, and give. And frankly, if you give more, it's really exciting what we can do. So come on in. Thank you. The water is fine. <laughs> oh, where's Martha? Let's see. serious note. <laughs> I wanted to share with you my own experience with giving. Um, I grew up in a culture of giving, of tithing more specifically, um, with my parents setting the role model, my grandparents on both sides of the family always tithing. Uh, indeed, as a small child, being asked to give up 10% of my allowance, it was just something that I knew was important throughout all of my life. Um, what I learned was that God always provides, that we richly receive and we richly give. As an adult, and here particularly at Westminster, um, I have continued that tradition, uh, or at least I've tried every year to keep that tradition going. 
It's been a lot easier for me here. It's been easier because of this wonderful congregation, because of what you all do and the generosity that I see and experience here from you every, every day. I stood up here in March of last year, maybe the end of February, and, no, it was this year, and asked uh, as the outreach chair for you all to come forward with backpacks for immigrants. And my outreach commission, of which Treg was a part of, uh, we talked about the goal, and we said, I said, what about 50? And they all looked at me like I'd lost my mind and said, let's try for 10. We ended up with 180 backpacks as a result of that. This is a generous community, a generous in spirit, generous in giving. We have all richly received. I'm asking you to richly give. Thank you. I can't take any credit for the hard work of this committee because I'm on the Outreach Commission. So Jim follows Martha. I stand in for Bill. (laughs) He asked me to read this. I apologize for not being here in person for today's kickoff. The truth is, I am somewhere in Colorado worshiping the trout gods. (laughs) But you will surely see me in the coming weeks. Our goals and hopes for this year are outlined in a letter you will all receive soon. Please read and give it prayerful consideration. Giving, I know, is a very personal endeavor, and we bring our own unique circumstances to it. That said, I wanted to share one perspective as an example, that of our family. Like many of you, we have bills to pay among many competing priorities. But each year, we set aside a portion of our income that we give to what we believe are worthy causes. We discuss which organizations are the most impactful and meaningful to us. Every year, Westminster is among the very top of these priorities. Why? I can list lots of reasons, such as the impact we see from local outreach programs, the pastoral care we have received in our own times of need, and the weekly nourishment we get from sermons, to name a few. But when you add it all up, Westminster simply stands out to us among many worthy charities for having an active, effective local mission that we truly believe in. So my ask and challenge as you consider your pledge is to give some thought to how impactful and meaningful Westminster is among many worthy causes you may consider and give accordingly. God bless. Bill McLeod. The words of Jesus Christ for me are beyond belief. Christianity may be flawed, teachings of Jesus are flawless. Here is where I receive that message. Simply put, that's why I give. On uh, next Sunday, we will be submitting our pledge with our elders and our deacons, and I ask that each of you consider, on behalf of what this church and what your faith means to you, that you submit your pledge in the course of October, and do it early and do it often. Thank you very much.
our stewardship campaign is just in the fall, but that team works year-round, so big thanks to all of you.
Lots of announcements in the bulletin, which you can read for yourself. Three to lift up at this time. The Eco Fair is in Findlay Hall, and you're certainly invited. There are booths for all ages and ideas, ways to care about and be engaged in improving our environment. And then we have yoga at the church every Monday at 9 a.m. And Aaron, are you in the hall here? Would you stand and tell people how to find you? And then we have a new member class on October the 8th. And if you're interested in learning more and being a member of Westminster, this class is for you. And please RSVP at the church office. final note on stewardship, just as the elders and deacons will present their uh, pledges next Sunday, later in October, everyone will have a chance to bring their pledge in and uh, dedicate it all as one body. If you prefer to go ahead and mail yours in in advance, that's fine. We'll have a symbolic way that you can uh, participate in that ritual so we can make it not just a financial transaction, but a piece of worship and holy blessing. I do, you, I do invite you to the Eco Fair right after the service in Finley Hall. You can join fellowship and find ways to take more of, or I should say less, of what's out there and only what we need and live in harmony with God's great creation. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of all of us, in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen. You are not alone if you are not